You are listening to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Banning Leapshire. For more information on our church, visit jcsacramento.com. Uh, if you have your Bibles, get them out. Go to Luke chapter 1. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, but we're going to jump in and uh, talk about your words today and tag a little bit on what I talked about a couple weeks ago around identity and purpose. Let me read this. This is the story of um, where Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are the parents of John the Baptist, who's the one who's going to come and stir the hearts of Israel and ultimately prepare the way for Jesus. Obviously, John the Baptist is a key, key part of the gospel story and really our story as well for Christianity and what God has done on the earth. And so this is kind of the, the, the time where his parents are going to find out that they're pregnant. Let's read this. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of, uh, I don't even know, Abijah, Abiha. That that either makes you worried or confident that your pastor doesn't know how to say that. Uh, um, You either like that or don't like that. But anyways, he's of the division of somebody else. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which would be fulfilled in their own time. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that, that I very much believe that God has plans and purposes for your life. This is what the Bible talks about. That ultimately you have to know your identity, you have to know your purpose to engage in the call of God in your life. But there are plans and purposes that God intends to do in you, he intends to do through you, and he intends to do around you to change the world. The Bible's very clear on this. God wants to do great things in you, he wants to do great things through you, and he wants to do great things around you. This is what, listen to this in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So there are plans that God has for you. There are purposes that he intends for you. Psalm 33, 11, the same thing, talking about the nations. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. 
the plans of his heart to all generations. So God wants to do great things. He, wants, he has plans and purposes. There are things he intends for your life, in you, through you, around you. The angel came to Zacharias and actually revealed those plans to him. An angel shows up when he's in there burning incense, and he says, Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. You've been praying for a child, and you're about to get a child. And then he lays out in detail how this child is going to be an important part of what God intends to do in the earth. That he's going to stir Israel. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to his children. And ultimately, he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. But at the end of this story, after the angel tells him his purposes and plans, he makes him mute. He says, but you're not going to be able to speak. Why is that? Because there was unbelief in the heart of Zacharias, and that unbelief in his heart eventually would pop out of his mouth. That what is in his heart, he was going to speak. So the angel said, here's the deal, you're mute. You didn't believe me, you're mute. Because your words matter. One of the things is, it's not just that God comes and he reveals the plans to you. It's not just that he comes and says, I have plans for you, I have a purpose for you, in you, through you, around you. But he invites us to partner with him in seeing those plans and purposes come about. This is, this is, he invites us to partner with him, both for his plans in my life and his plans in this world. He invites us to partner with him. But because of unbelief, because unbelief leads our words to declare unbelief, he sticks Zacharias on mute because he could not have Zacharias undermining what he intended to do through the birth of John. One of the things that we have to realize, and if you, if you know your Bible at all, you know this to be true, that words matter and words have a lot of power. That if we want to partner with God in what he intends to do, then our words matter in that partnership and our words matter in that process. The Bible says this about, about our tongue that has the power of life and death. Psalm 18, 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So again, God says, come and partner with me in what I intend to do in your life, what I intend to do through your life. Come and partner with me in this. This is what I want to do. Zacharias, he tells that to him, but because there was unbelief in the heart of Zacharias that eventually would pop out of his mouth, he said, listen, I, I, can't, I, can't, have you, you know, I can't have your words which carry power. They, they, the power of life and death are in your words, therefore I'm going to put you on mute. One of the things that I think happens in our life is this, is that we don't fully believe the power that is in our words, and therefore, we are very careless with what we say. We're very careless with what we say when it comes to what God wants to do. Again, in my life, through my life, but also around me, in the world, and in my family, and in our church, that we're careless with what our, with what our words say. We're careless with those things because we really don't fully believe the power that's in them. Yeah. One of the things that has to happen is, is we, we have to become intentional with this thing and understand the power that's in our words. My daughter, who's 18, when she's our first one, our oldest, uh, the, if, if you've gone through this process, you know what I'm talking about. It's a very nerve-wracking process when your teenager starts to drive. 
and you've got this kid that doesn't fully understand life and you know, all that, and then you're about to put them in easily the most powerful thing they've ever experienced, which is a, you know, a two-ton moving vehicle. And, and so you're trying to like give them advice and you want them to be trained and you want them to understand and be sober about it and all that stuff. And, and my daughter, 15, we raised my daughter to be confident and secure. And every once in a while, it kind of bites me. You know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe not that much, but come on. But I, she's super confident. And she's 15 years old. She'd had her permit just for a few months. And we're in the car. And I'm trying to like, I'm, uh, she's driving. My wife's in the passenger seat. I'm in the back seat. And I'm, I'm giving her some advice. And she had just gone through her driver's ed training, so she totally knows everything about driving and all the rules of the road. And I'm like trying to give her advice, and she's like, Dad, I know. And, she's, and I finally was just like, Ellie, I've been driving for 20 years. You've been driving for three months. She, she, uh, she totally turns to me, dead serious, she goes, I've been driving for four months. My bad. Sorry, I didn't realize that. that's amazing. For that one month, that tips it. Just, just so confident. And so she's so confident. And, but I'm wanting her to like really take serious this power that you're now, you know, driving around it. And uh, um, power to do harm. And so she goes to her driver's test. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, that'd be awesome if you just, I didn't tell her this, if you just barely passed. Like passed but just barely. I'd like a little soberness to come into your life, you know. She calls me, Dad, guess what? I said, what? I passed. I got 100%. <laughs> and it's not, it's not that I want her to be fearful. You know, I don't want her to be scared in that car. I don't want her to be feel, fearful in that car. I just want her to really have an understanding and a soberness about the power that she possesses when she drives that car. And when you're careless with that, bad things happen, right? You, you can't be careless in a vehicle, and I want you to have a soberness and an understanding. Again, I don't want you to be fearful when you drive. I just want you to be sober and understanding it. And, and, and it's the same thing with our words. The Bible says there is power of life and death in our tongue. And I don't think we believe that because we are so, because we, we tend to be careless with our words sometimes. And God comes and says, hey, I want to do something in your life. And it's good. And it's great. I want to do something through your life. I want to do something in your city and in, in the world and the culture. And I want to do something. He tells us to Zacharias. And because there was unbelief in Zacharias' heart, he says, how about I just put you on mute right now? <laughs> like, how about I just mute you right now? Because... This is not going to be good, whatever's going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> he invites us to partner with him, but we have to be very intentional and careful with the words that come out of our mouth and the words that we receive. Yes, true. True. If we're going to partner with him. We, we've, done, we've done this a lot even with, um, even with our kids. It's amazing how many times, just very much trying to speak life over our own kids. And how many people want to come, and in our own carelessness, how we would speak over our kids. I, I, I said something a little bit, it wasn't mean or harsh or anything, but I was, my, my son was pushing back at me or something, and I kind of said a little sarcastic comment about his age or something like that. And I could feel the weight of it for like three or four days afterwards, thinking like, oh, I, can't, 
I can't speak that. Over, I went back and I just, I just sat down with him. I said, Lake, I, I, I said this thing over you, but like it's not true and it's not right. And, and I shouldn't even be careless with my words around that thing. And, and, and just going because I don't want to speak carelessly over you. And it's amazing how many people, even when you have kids, you start having kids and they all have their stuff they want to tell you about your kids. They're like, oh, wait till they're two. Woo! You know, it's the terrible twos, and then it's the trying threes, and then it's the fearsome fours, and and and, and they want to, and then they're like, oh, wait till they're teenagers. You know, you're gonna like them now, but wait till they're teenagers. It's crazy. And and again, when somebody would say this to us, it wasn't like I'd be like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and like, <laughs> but. But I would walk away, CJ and I would walk away and be like, we rebuke, <laughs> like, we don't receive those words for, our, for, my, for my kids. Like, I don't receive those words. You don't get to speak that over my kids. Same thing, say, you know, like, oh, man, you got, you got girls, huh? Whew, it's going to be bad when they're teenagers. And I'm like, no, like, we don't, like, parenting's the hardest thing I've ever done, right? It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Most rewarding thing I've ever done, but it's just hard, right? But, but I'm like, no, we don't receive that stuff. Like, like we're not going to be careless with the words that we speak and the words that we receive about stuff. Not if I'm going to partner with God in what he intends to do through my kids. And all of it. It's just amazing to me. You can go through a list of things that, that are the way we're careless with our words, whatever it is, you know, finances or, hey, I'm going to start a business. Who I started a business once. It didn't go good, man. Have fun with that. It's just crazy. <laughs> can, I, can I just also just press pause for a second and just have a pastoral moment with you? We have got to stop speaking our experience over other people. And I, I mean this in, in, all, in all honesty, and I love all of you, but, but like, like I, I might have a certain experience with, with, teenage, with teenagers, right? I might have a certain experience, but my experience, just because it's my experience doesn't mean it's everybody else's experience that's coming up, right? It's that thing of like, oh, I went through that, you're going to go through that. We, we have to be even careful of what we're speaking to other people because, uh, because there's power in what we're saying. And I want to partner with God in my life, and I want to partner with God in your life, and that means, therefore, I've got to care about what I'm saying. I've got to be intentional and careful about the words coming out of my mouth. I, I found even in my own life, even things that, that are they're not like life and death, I, I have, you know, I, for whatever reason, directions, I'm just directionally challenged. And, you know, if I go out of a driveway and I turn left, I should have turned right. And, and, you know, it's just, I, but I remember years ago, I would always say this. I'm like, I'm horrible at directions. I'm horrible at directions. And all, I just got convicted one day. I'm like, I need to stop saying that over myself. i like, it doesn't really matter. I've got an iPhone now and it tells me where to go. <laughs> so, like, it's not like, but, but sometimes I think we're so, we're just so flippant or careless with our words, not understanding the power that they have. And sometimes I think we just should be put on mute. <laughs> I think an angel needs to come and go, hey, listen, I want to do some great things in your life, so I'm just going to let you not talk for a while. <laughs> because there really is. My, my words are either creating they're either partnering with God in creating what he's looking for in his plans and purposes, or they're undermining. 
So the question is, because, because uh, my words are either coming from a place of unbelief or they're coming from a place of faith. They're coming from a place of unbelief or a place of faith. So the, the question then is, is how, how do I speak from a place of faith rather than a place of unbelief? Now, I'm going to read this verse, but th- this is what the Bible describes it as, that if I was to take your words and I was to follow that thread, it would eventually lead to your heart. If your words are just fruit and that fruit is connected to something, if I was to follow it all the way down, it would be connected to roots. And those roots are your heart. And so, so whatever words I'm speaking are actually coming from and connected to something that's going on in my heart. This is what, this is what Luke 6, 45 says. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Many times we find out what's in our heart by what comes out of our mouth under times of pressure. I think many times pressure is actually a good thing for us because it reveals some stuff. It actually shows us what's going on inside of our heart, which is not a discouraging moment. It can be like, wow, I didn't even know that was in there. Unbelief is in my heart. Wrong ways of thinking or lies that I'm believing, whatever it is, I've got to go deal with that. There's a story about a farmer uh, who had these two vats that looked identical. One had vinegar and one had honey. And they looked identical. And a guy came up to him one day and said, uh, how can you tell what's in what? How can you tell if it's vinegar or honey in it? They both look identical. And the farmer said, oh, that's easy. I just go up and kick it. And whatever comes out, that's what's in it. <laughs> There's something. You want to find out what's inside of you? You want to find out what's in your heart? Get under some pressure and see what comes out of your mouth. This is that thing. So, so therefore, if, if what's in my heart is either belief or unbelief, and then what comes out of my mouth is either belief or unbelief, and, and unbelief that begins to undermine what God's wanting to do, belief that begins to partner with what God is wanting to do, then I, then I have to be, then if I'm going to speak faith, and if I'm going to come from a place of belief, then I have to not just fix my words, I've got to fix my, I've got to see what's going on inside of my heart. Unbelief is rooted and anchored to our life circumstances and our feelings or our perception of reality. Zacharias, it's amazing, the angel comes to Zacharias, and I mean, this is the angel, this is an angel from God who shows up supernaturally in the the angelic encounter and says, your prayers are answered, you're going to have a son, and here's what he's going to do, it's going to be amazing. Zechariah says, how can that be? And then he begins to give him a list of his circumstances and what he sees as reality. He says, I'm old, my wife's old. So I love what you're telling me, angel. (laughs) But here's some reality. We justify and give ourselves permission to speak certain ways because we have a list of what we consider to be reality. It's amazing. Well, the reality is I don't have any money in my bank account. So you can come and have this great God has plans and purposes for your life, 
but let me show you a list of things. Listen, unbelief is not a lack of belief. This is one of the things you gotta understand. Unbelief is not a lack of belief, it's just belief in the wrong thing. So it's not like, it's not like, well, I don't believe. It's that, no, I believe, I just believe in what I see more than what you're telling me. So you're coming and telling me that you've got plans and purposes for my life. You're coming and telling me that you want to do great things and they're good and all that type of stuff. Well, that's fine, but let me tell you what my circumstances are. And I've got a list. And here's the issue. That is in my heart more than your word. So I am more anchored to my list of what reality is. And again, faith, we've talked about this, guys. Faith is not acting like there's not a mountain in front of me. Faith is not like there's no mountain, there's no mountain, there's no mountain. Faith is there's a mountain, but what I know is this, is there's a word that's greater than that mountain. There's a higher reality than that mountain. That's that thing. I'm old, she's old, but there's a greater reality than that. And so, so, so if, if unbelief is anchored to this thing of I'm more connected to my circumstances and my feelings and, and my perception of what facts are, faith is anchored very simply in his word. Faith is anchored in his word. This is what it says in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, when when I'm in the word, my ability to hear increases. And when I can hear, faith begins to come. So if I want faith in my life, it, it starts by the word which opens up my hearing. It's the word of God in my life that begins to create faith. That is why We must be diligent about putting his word in our heart. Again, what comes out of my mouth is connected to my heart. So if unbelief is coming out of my mouth, then then there's unbelief in my heart. Okay, so what what do I have to do then? Unbelief is rooted in something. It's connected to something. I need to go connect my heart, and I need to get the word of God in my heart. I gotta get the word in me. This is Psalm 119. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've got to take this word and this word's got to get so in my heart, so fill my heart that there's not room for anything else. That there's not room for unbelief. Because I've got the word in me. When we did our conference in Long Island a few years ago, uh, we were filming something in Manhattan, and then anytime I'm in cities, I love to go see live sporting events. I mean, I'll go see, I, I'll go watch anything. I just love live sporting events. And baseball, I love to watch baseball games. So we're, we finished up in Manhattan, and then I, I needed to get to, I think the Bronx is where the Yankees play. I gotta go watch the Yankees play. So it's in the afternoon, and um, I, don't know, I don't know how to get there, though. So I'm kind of talking to people on the, on, the, you know, on the street. I'm like, hey, how do I get to this? And and this, this elderly Puerto Rican gentleman, amazing guy, he goes, hey, you're going to the Bronx. I'm, I'm headed there now. Come on. Come with me. I'll take you. So I'm like, okay. So we go in, and we go down the subway, and uh, we get in the subway, and there's people everywhere. I'm just everywhere. I'm just staying there, and there's people all around me. I'm kind of holding on. And I tell this guy, I go, man, it's packed. He goes, oh, this isn't packed at all. 
This is like three o'clock in the afternoon. He goes, this isn't packed at all. He goes, he goes, I come on the subway every morning at 7 a.m. for the last 15 years. He said, there's so many people on the subway that the doors open and I turn around and shove my way in and let the doors close. And they just stand there. I don't even know how people live like that, but, but he's like, you just shove your way in and the doors close right here on you. This, this is the picture of what we need, guys, honestly. There, there, there needs to be so much word in you that, that, that when that subway car pulls up and unbelief's sitting there, you're like, ah, sorry, I don't have any more room. There's no more room in here. Like, this is, this is that picture, that, there's, that the word of God, there's so much, I've got the word in me. I've got the word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. So what comes out of my mouth is faith. What comes out of my mouth is belief. What comes out of my mouth is not unbelief. We've got to speak his word. This is the key. It's that faith is his word. It's connected to his word. The angel comes and says, here's what I'm going to do. Faith looks like going, okay, this is what God's going to do. And it's, it's not like we, uh, again, it's not like I work myself up and I, I'm just really, really disciplined with my words. It's that I, that I go get the word in my heart. Really believe what he's saying. It, when, when his word's in my heart, it's what we begin to speak. And his word is what creates faith. We have these little things called Jesus timeouts because... Um, <laughs> There might be staff members or whatever else, that, and uh, they go up on, uh, you guys know Becky, our youth pastor, I, uh, a little bit ago, she, she was starting to speak, she was starting to go pray after, like we'd be at a conference and she'd go wrap up the prayer, and it's one of the first times she was doing it. She goes, wraps up prayer after worship, and she comes off stage and said, hey, how'd it go? She's like, oh, I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't think it went real well, and I just don't think it landed, I don't think people were impacted. I'm like, hold on, hold on, stop. What do you think Jesus is saying? <laughs> she goes, I don't know. Well, you have five minutes, young lady, to go stand over there <laughs> and find out what Jesus is saying. And then you can come back here and let me know. She totally did. She goes off. She goes back. What did he say? He said it was really good. It was powerful. And people's <laughs> lives were changed. <laughs> I'm like, well, good. Then that right there, that right there is what's got to get in our heart. That's what we talk. That's what we say. That's what we say. We don't, we don't say all this, all this other stuff based on our feelings and circumstances, whatever else. We say what he's saying. It's that I ingest the word of God consistently and regularly because I want to fill my heart with it. But it's also that I know what it's saying about situations and circumstances. One of the, we live in a world right now, the society that we live in, it can feel so hopeless and so powerless. This is that big one. So many people feel hopeless and powerless and they begin to talk like it. This is that thing. If I begin to talk like I'm hopeless or if I begin to talk like I'm powerless, I have to stop and go, okay, hold on a second. Obviously, I don't have the word in my heart because there is nowhere that I go in scripture and find that it's hopeless. Nowhere is God like, hey, I'm sorry, it's hopeless. <laughs> like, I, there's a lot I can do, but I can't do that. You know, like, there's a lot. I'd like to help you, but 
can't help you with that one. It's hopeless. Like nowhere in scripture does it tell me I'm hopeless. Nowhere in scripture does it tell me I'm powerless. You know, nowhere, nowhere. So when I'm beginning to speak as if I'm powerless, when I'm beginning to speak as if it's hopeless, I've got to recognize, okay, hold on a second. I've got to go. I've got to get the word in me. I've got to hide the word in my heart. The, the goal is not, uh, honestly, some of you probably do need a mute button. <laughs> uh, me included. I'm talking to me too. I mean, there are times when I wish an angel would come and be like, let's put you on mute for a while. Like, you're not helping things. Like, you're not helping at all with your words. The, the, but the goal is not silence. The goal is not that, like, I just got unbelief in my heart, so I just don't say anything. It's actually a decent first step. Honestly, it's a decent, like, if you got unbelief in your heart, just don't say anything right now. <laughs> right? Because your words have power. But the goal is not that I'm just silent because I have unbelief. The goal is that I speak faith because there's words in my heart. So I've got to get there. And I've got to be able to recognize where in my life am I somehow speaking things that somehow are not partnering with the plans and purposes of God. The goal is that I believe and then I speak. Listen to this passage in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Sometimes the goal for us is this. Okay, I'm going I'm to go on mute right now. <laughs> you can read the story more of Zacharias. He eventually spoke, and what he spoke was pretty powerful. He had nine months to go get this worked out. He had nine months to go figure out what the word of the Lord was. And when he spoke, it was powerful. I find in my own, uh, you know, things come and you're worried or, or, or different lies that want to come in. And I'll find myself even sometimes getting up in the middle of the night or early in the morning. I can just feel worry. And I'll go downstairs and I'll write it out. What are those things? And I'll just write things out. And then I'll make sure that when I write out those things that are weighing on me, I write out what truth is. Like, what are the things that are overwhelming me? What are the lies that I, and I just go, what's truth? Because I got to get that truth in my heart. I got to get that truth in my heart. So that when I speak, there is power to create and partner with what God intends to do in my life. I don't want my words to undermine what God's trying to do in my city in my family, in my finances, in my relationships, with my future, in my marriage, in my life. I don't want my words to be undermining. I want my words to be partnering with his plans and his purposes. I, I, this is why the angel said, I'm gonna put you on mute because right now you're not gonna partner with me. Your words are not gonna partner with me. And until you come to a place, it talks right there, where you believe, then speak. If you're in unbelief, don't speak. But don't stay there. Get to the place of belief where the word is in you, and then speak. And there's something powerful with it for your own life. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. Hungry for more? Search Jesus Culture on your podcast platforms 
to check out more from our Jesus Culture Podcast Network. 